insane that you say that because I think uh, Ganesh from Covalent, who is also somebody that we should be bringing on this call, has the exact right. grievance about about Indian founders. Now that we operate from a place right. of scarcity and not right, from right, a right. place of abundance. Hello and welcome to awesome. the Web3 Nomies podcast. Today is a very special day, not because we have a great crypto OG in the house. It is because five minutes before this call, we just found out that he is also a gunner. So, Dudwala guys, your Manchester City <laughs> and Chelsea can go eat it. Today, it is about us, Arsenal and maybe some crypto. Uh, hi Prashant, how is it going? Good man. Um, yeah, always, always, always good to be on a podcast with fellow gunners, um, yes. you know and uh, pretty excited and also nervous about the season sorry did you mean crypto or football i'm, I'm like still on <laughs> both, the football both, 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 both. um things are good things are good um not looking forward to the summer uh you know uh but everything else is good you're the only person in crypto who doesn't look forward to summer dad. but you're saying <laughs> anyway uh our right. guest today is ramani ramachandran co-founder of uh, router define uh we'll get into all of that right now but the most important question of the day is ram how did your journey as an arsenal fan begin i am very interested to hear this right now no absolutely you know thanks and always happy to uh talk to you guys you know, just you know it's just funny that we just realized we're all arsenal fans which is what it is it's, it's a strange affliction right and you have to go through a lot of <laughs> catharsis in one <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, thanks, guys. Always good to uh, chat with you guys. Um, you know, uh, I got to crypto. Uh, I've been a crafter throughout my career, man. And so, it's been a lot of luck, right place, right time. Uh, curious about a lot of things. So, I, I actually there are two 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 interesting anecdotes with crypto. Uh, 2014, I was in Myanmar, and uh, I was trying to build a pipeline. And uh, uh, this was pre-democracy, uh, the military regime. And uh, I was in Singapore. I was running a boutique innocent bank advisory uh, operation. And uh, we were trying to build a power plant. And a Chinese investor approached me and said, listen, you want a billion dollars in funding. It's a 600 megawatt power plant. And you'll need 200 million in equity, 800 in debt. You know what? Let me do this. Let me give you 100 million of that. Give me X amount of the power plant. But I'm going to give that to you in Bitcoin. Right? And that's it. I said, what the hell is Bitcoin, right? And then I, I, I sort of remembered that one of my friends when I was in London, uh, the eccentric guy, who was computer all the time, uh, my neighbor, a uh, kid from IMCAL. Uh, and, and he told me, listen, get your laptop, come to my house. I'm going to set up something called Bitcoin. And if you keep mining, I make 40, 50 Bitcoins a day. They're mostly worthless, most likely. But you never know, there might be a lot of money, right? And then when the Chinese guy told me, you know, I started to reach out to him and figure out what he was doing. And then... He said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, those Bitcoins, I sold them for around $2, 3000000 million. I'm retired. I've got a small cottage in the English countryside. And that's when, you know, you know, among the various opportunities, I said, like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, you know, sometimes opportunity pawns on your face and you don't take it. Right? So that's one of those moments. Opportunity knocks gently. <laughs> this one really was asking me to come. <laughs> so that, that's my introduction to Bitcoin. But, uh, you know, um, how I sort of got to this full time is, uh, look, from that point in 2015-16, again, uh, I was doing a lot of uh, uh, deals in the pre-IPO secondary space. So meaning uh, a lot of uh, you know family offices in India, Singapore, uh, Southeast Asia, we needed access to pre-IPO deals. Those uh, back then, the hot companies, Uber and Airbnb and Alibaba and SpaceX. And uh, there's a bunch of these firms. And, and uh, there's a lot of early investors and employees that wanted an exit too because the IPO market was sort of jammed up back then. Uh, so there was a nice business of, you know, a lot of uh, uh, intermediaries like us sort of sourcing deals from uh, folks in the cap table, et cetera, from mostly from the Valley and other companies, even Flipkart, et cetera, uh, investors, you know, the VCs, et cetera, that want to exit and connect them to uh, these folks that wanted to buy. And that was an interesting business, but a more traditional, Prashant uh, family, a right? traditional uh, innocent banking business, you throw on a suit and you pawn the payment in Singapore or wherever and 
you meet the rich guy in the hotel's uh, <laughs> lobby and tell him, you know what, this is why you need to buy a five million block of Uber and this is a valuation. And you know, you take 10 meetings, one goes through, and it, it's a way to make a living, but it's not an exciting way to make a living, right? So, so there's a there's a beam my bonnet that rent off. You know, why don't I tokenize the damn thing and democratize it and let people buy ten dollars worth of Uber tokens, right? And and mm -hmm. then you know, democratizing access, equalizing access, and all that, right? Uh, so I found a guy uh, in Bangalore, a very sharp developer, uh, and and we sort of raised a small amount of capital from some Singaporean investors and Indian angels, and and we built a platform, the Bitcoin blockchain, where you could tokenize these things and people could come in and buy $10 of the Uber and Airbnb and Alibaba. Right? So we ran a pilot mm. within one week, within a very close, uh, you know, just by word of mouth, we had like 500 signups. Right? Uh, at that point, you know, the guy who was my dealer, as in the guy who's giving me all these blocks out of the valley, a lawyer with mm. fully, he basically said, listen, if you do this, you're going to get arrested and you'll never enter the US. Uh, <laughs> because there's, this, there's an agency called the SEC, apparently, which uh, <laughs> wants, wants you to have a bunch of three letter acronyms, right? Uh, Indra, six, series, eight, series 7, Series 63, a whole bit of alphabet soup of licenses and regulations. Uh, mm. The moment you start soliciting interest in the technical word is soliciting interest in your securities. Right? Basically, you're sending a deal to a guy, but it's called soliciting interest in your securities. And, and so, so immediately the challenge became regulation. Right? And, and that was actually the, uh, you know, after, you know, this is 2015, 16, but then later on, you know, Harbor and a lot of big guys raised a ton of money, even folks like David Sachs, etc., trying to sort of skim this problem. And even now, I think the whole tokenization of uh, real world assets are still open progress. I know Galaxy is doing something, I know. Um, yeah, but it's basically figuring the navigating the swamp of regulation across geographies and just uh, dotting the S and crossing the T's there, which is not really most product guys what most product guys want to do. Right? So moved on from there, but then uh, yeah, I ended up in crypto full time because uh, then we were pitching this idea to uh, you know VCs in in Bangalore and Singapore, and a nine out of ten uh, partners of associates would roll their eyes, and then one of them would call back, you know. Probability of Falcon X is one of them is endless axle back to it. So one of them would call back, you know what? This is the future. Uh, here's 100K. Why don't you manage this in Bitcoin for me? So we have, you know, we've had a lot of different such conversations. So, uh, you know, so that's how we got to crypto. We wanted to raise a fund back then, but because we were uh, partly in India, we didn't really uh, figure out the uh, regulatory aspects of it. So did not go down that path, but we kept building. Uh, we built, uh, uh, we built an index token called 108 token, right? I mean, in fact, uh, one of my uh, enduring regrets is in 2017-18 when everybody in India and everywhere everywhere else was raising ICOs and getting set up for life, right? So raising 30, 40, 50 million dollars. And uh, I was very clear I didn't want to do an ICO, right? I mean, so clearly I was not DJ enough and uh, I tried to launch <laughs> index token. <laughs> so, uh, but but in, in a way, it's good because a lot of those guys that raise a ton of capital are now they have the money. But I know for a fact that you know a lot of them can't really get an audience you know, when they launch a product or something. They won't get the so so maybe it's better that way that you know you sort of build for the long term and have a nice uh, something to do. Uh, so uh, so that's what I wanted to do. We've been building a ton of stuff uh, through the multiple bear markets. We built the world's first. Uh, uh, stablecoin exchange back in 2018 on 0x uh, called Fordex, Forex Dex. Uh, we built this uh, one-way token, which is a crypto index token. Uh, we built, uh, we had a pretty popular uh, newsletter called Satoshi and Co. Uh, Satoshi and Co. Uh, used to write it every day along with my former analyst. Uh, 25,000 subscribers at one point. Uh, we had a podcast back then, and the first guest on it was Sandeep Nelwal, and it was Sandeep's first podcast interview back in 2018. Nice. So, uh, yeah, and I kept calling him Sandeep Naliwa. He kept correcting me, Sandeep Naliwa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we've been through a bunch of things. Uh, and then, 2018-19, uh, we did a lot of uh, ARP trading. Uh, just fast, uh, trying to capture ARPs, perpetual ARPs between various uh, finance techniques, etc. Uh, and then, 2020, um, when the DeFi summer took off, uh, the first thing we did was uh, uh, figure out what we could build, and, and we actually built this thing called Define, which is a unique clone on, on, on Polygon. Uh, and then uh, we realized that you know, 
it's not very differentiated and you needed the in-house tag and clearly quickshop was the sort of in-house text for polygon right and uh, uh it, it wasn't an in-house tactic but, but i guess there was a far more closer integration at that point um, so we also you know we had a lot of product guys in the team and we we're ideating actually back then there were three product guys me and my two co-founders uh and one of the things that we were discussing and ideating including how cross chain is going to be important that's how we stumbled on router and uh and router took off and then a few months later polygon explored and the polygon team came back and said listen you know aren't you guys code define as well so define the separate track so that's the overall context was so at this point in time we have defined we have router then yeah team of 45 people spread across india dubai hong kong singapore a few different places that's so cool ramani i had no idea about all the various steps uh, uh, that led you uh, that led you to this but you know uh, from your background you have a very trad background and then 2017 16 onwards you were just all in into crypto what makes a man right. like you who had most things sorted want to take this plunge and you know spend time in this wild wild west why do you become an Arsenal fan <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a problem. Yes, <laughs> you know. But honestly, it, it, it just uh, it, all of us have our own journeys, right? And I think, uh, in the, you know, at some point, you know, you figure out that you know you're just not meant to uh, work in a company in a traditional environment and all that. That's a personal discovery aspect of it. I mean, the aha moment is, of course, how this can potentially change a lot of things, right? I mean, you're reinventing money, right? Uh, the whole currency part of it and how that can affect governments and how that can affect the way the world functions, right? I was reading up, you know, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, right? Uh, he loves, he, he, he loved listening to his uh, work and reading his work. You know, um, it's all, you know, the way Bitcoin white paper came about in 2009, as a response to, and I know in 2008-2009, I was actually at Moody's in New York, uh, structuring rating CEOs, right? So it, it, it's a bit of a uh, forest component there, right? So I was there <laughs> in 2008-2009. In 2007, when the dot-com stuff was going down, I was in New York in a startup, right? So mm. literally, we've <laughs> seen a couple of large cycles, and, and, and it is amazing uh, to see this money printer coming out, and they had TARP and, you know, asset reconstruction program, and card and what are the central assets and, and the money the, the government just exploding and just, just flooding the market with a ton of liquidity just to keep the economy from sinking and you know the, and therefore you know the next revolution starting on the streets so clearly you know something in the bitcoin might be when i went back when i discovered it and actually read it sometime in 1670 it really appealed to me and, and you know uh, as you sort of start uh, working and the whole rebel feel to it you know you sort of uh, not uh, you sort of away from the usual traditional the two crowd or the traditional finance crowd, and, and, and you know there's a reason for that. Right? There's a lot of the uh, controls and the structures and uh, that that apply don't apply here anymore. I mean, in, in terms of uh, how you work and how you engage, even the company, the way companies are structured are, are very different. The flat organization, it's a true primacy of knowledge and ideas. It's not a hierarchical. Right? I mean. Uh, at this point, the thing I'm happiest about is that, you know, I'm the dumbest person in my company. <laughs> you know, what you want is some really sharp guys teaching you shit every day. It's like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> so, so I, I think those are things. <laughs> it doesn't get easier with it, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I can imagine Rama. My, you know, yeah. before we get into the router stuff, I just had one more yeah. question. And, and this, this point really stood out to me that uh, in 2017, you consciously chose not to do an ICO, right? Uh, and uh, as a founder and other founders are listening to this, how do you deal with that sort of greed, right? Like, because the opportunity is right there. You're a smart guy. You can definitely put these things together and raise a bunch of money and be done for life. Uh, you can definitely, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> put a one-page deck. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Prashant, mm. <laughs> we will have words after this. But anyway, coming back, <laughs> coming back to this, uh, you know, I think the in Web3, given you're, you're almost incentivized to think short term, and the most short term yeah, yeah, yeah. and high return things to do in 2017 was to do an ICO. How did you deal yeah, with yeah. greed at that time, and what kept you steadfast 
with respect to hey got to build something of value got to build something long term uh, and watch as a bunch of people made generational wealth but also as you rightly pointed out uh, kind of faded into irrelevance uh, as as the industry moved on uh, but i i'm really mm. interested to understand how your mindset worked at that point and how you dealt with uh, dealt with greed okay no no absolutely so i think there are you know in the prospect i'll say that there are two parts to it uh, you know back then i was just discovering this and i just couldn't comprehend how some of those raised a ton of money right and then i'm sure if the market had persisted for the 5 6 months just by peer pressure i would have sort of gone down the route route right to be honest right but i was just you know i i think fundamentally there is founders of two dna's there was a product dna one is a fundraising dna right and then yeah. I, I i'm much more the guy who just get around the whiteboard idea ideas and you know and then i i sort of keep going and pitching uh, a story that i'm not convinced with so un, until it's nicely cooked and it's an aha thing i really i'm not confident pitching to an investor it's it's a, it's a strength and a weakness depending on the context right Mm. I think that was that was one big uh, thing, but you know I think even now, like especially for folks that are us, uh, all of us in this call, a bunch of our folks in the circle, all of us can put together a deck and raise, you know, at least five, ten million dollars, irrespective of the market condition. Right? But why don't we do that? Because the the fundraising is not the beyond and the end of it; it's just the beginning of the journey. That's like giving birth to a child, but then. You have a lot of responsibility, right? I mean, if you want to go back and like this, one of the challenges we have is, you know, we have Define, we have Router. These are two different tokens, two different ecosystems, right? And they sort of one is a platform play, the other is a Dex play, right? And they're both very exciting, very interesting. But uh, internally, and we have two different technology teams, but there's a lot of shared services outside the technology layer, right? So, so and, and so there's a lot of uh, it's like having a baby, literally, right? and, and and so you need to. be faithful to it you can't just both a baby and then run away mm. uh, so so you need to take responsibility the responsibility towards investors towards the public long term legacy that you want to i mean i'm not saying you create a path breaking legacy but at least don't create a negative legacy right mm. i think uh, so 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 that, that so i think those those are a lot of things that i guess that that sort of in fact like right now in fact uh, we are thinking of the next fundraise and one of the things that is sort of handicapping us is we have a token right and because we have a token and none of the other infrastructure Guys, have a token. So a lot of investors are saying, "Listen, when do you guys launch a new token uh, narrative?" And then not the comment. So I mean, will we do it? We might do it. We consider it depending on the narrative and the structure of the product. But I mean, it's not something that I'm fundamentally tuned towards. I think it just uh, there's a lot of downside to it. You want to do the long-term thing. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, thank you for the candor. Uh, you know, I, uh, no one. Uh, it this seems to be the one emotion that I struggle to deal with. which is greed uh, and uh, to hear that if the market condition persisted for 6 months even you would have been peer pressured into doing something like that absolutely is uh, is is sad and reassuring at the same time so <laughs> i really <laughs> i really appreciate the candor thank you for thank you for like, giving us a sneak peek when, when i moved from investment banking to this uh, my first uh, exposure to crypto was icos pretty much right early 2018 <laughs> Yeah. and i'm like you know why do people blame bankers man you know <laughs> you know um, yeah, yeah. i mean of course uh, there's a lot of greed there as well um, and you're right. always pushing the side of the regulation um, right. you always want to kind of stay with it on the right side of regulation and you know push it so much so much that the regulator comes in and like you know uh, makes it tighter <laughs> right, um, right, right, yeah right. you come in and like there is no regulation you know and like there's like yes. wild wild west and uh, i'm like wow this is more like 80s or 90s in banking right um, yes. wolf of wall street kind of an experience uh, yeah. but no man i mean i i don't think that's i don't think that that's a regret at least the way i look at it it's like uh, there are a lot of people who can look up to you now because you kind of sail through this with your um uh mindset intact and also still here trying to build stuff right and i think the respect you earn and the integrity you uh, have shown is at least to me uh, much more than you know having generated that wealth which hopefully will still follow uh, if if yeah. f3 is to become truly big um so i mean taking a slight segue here right um so uh, just as for our audience so define is um an amm um yes. and specific to the polygon ecosystem and uh, yep. uh, a router is a cross chain messaging protocol um and uh, it is um, i guess we'll go into a bit more detail of that but i mean this is basically how you know how how you have blockchains and none of them 
are built to speak to other blockchains. Yes. Um, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you have these cross-chain uh, bridges and messaging protocols that allow for transfer of both data and capital and uh, or rather yeah. liquidity across these uh, different blockchains. And that's what router does, uh, which is, which is, which is, um, and, and this is where, you know, a lot of um, hacks have happened in the last few years. And I'm sure we can address that as well to some extent, but it, it's, it's, Sounds very easy. It's like building bridges between cities, but you know, it's it's the point of uh, maximum vulnerability within ecosystems. And uh, so, therefore, what you guys are doing is um, very important in a multi-chain world, but also at the same time uh, riddled with a lot of uh, um, um, security-based issues that you need to solve for at all time. I just, I just want to give yeah. that prelude to, uh, to just kind of make sure that everyone gets that. Um, if you can just, you know, slightly uh, double-click on on uh, router, right? Um, from yeah. your perspective, um, how how do you look at the entire uh, bridging uh, landscape, right? And what I mean by that is. Um, um, why are again? I, I kind of outlined a bit on why bridges are necessary, but maybe you can elaborate on that. And then you know, um, are there any types of bridges? Um, you know, um, uh, and and um, where does router fall between all of this? And you know, um, advantages and pitfalls. Right, right. No, absolutely, there are. You know, uh, bridging has, I guess, you know, there's a bunch of generations in bridging as well, like. You know, um, Originally, bridging was just getting a token across from Ethereum to Polygon, and, and a lot of those bridges were native, like a Polygon bridge, right? or, or this, uh, I think, Rainbow Bridge. So all these, ultimately, the blockchains themselves uh, created these bridges, right? Like if you create a nice island of Manhattan, the early days of Jersey City, those guys, the developer ended up building a bridge, the real estate developer, right? So I think uh, you have those are the earliest bridges, but then you know a lot of guys figured out that. You need uh, you need to sort of help uh, uh, tokens uh, move freely between chains, a bit like how you know uh, folks go between cities, right? From BKC to uh, Bombay or you know, within Bombay, within Bangalore, uh, you know the Matahali Bridge in Bangalore. I'm sure you guys said, um, you know the and, and they are typically choke choke points, right? And uh, uh, so there are you know, the first generation of bridges are primarily asset transfer bridges. The first one we built way back in 21 was also basically you could swap from Ethereum to three or four different chains. Uh, you could transfer it, you could swap. And then the swap part was literally you could go from a token A on one chain to token B on another chain. That's a swap and token A on one chain and token B token A on another chain is a transfer. And uh, it's not a huge difference, but it, it's becoming a bit of a difference. But uh, so the asset transfer functionality was the primitive that that's still the dominant use case uh, and then you know a lot of uh, the current generation of bridges are uh, what uh, i think one of the reports called it amb arbitrary messaging bridges right um, and, and so that's that's where uh, most evolved bridges are going and that's where router also is right we are a, a generic uh, cross-chain messaging infrastructure right? and we have in fact, the bridge that a router is built is called Voyager, which is basically the one that lets folks transfer, go from chain A to chain B, etc. Right? Um, and uh, you know, there are the other categories from a security perspective. You know, they say trust is a spectrum, right? So you have completely trustless light client bridges, right, uh, which use zk, and then uh, and then sort of optimistic rollup is the other approach uh, on the on the light on the trustless side. And then you have uh, uh, externally verified bridges, right? Uh, that is what a router would be, uh, or Axela would be, right? Uh, layer zero would be the former category. It's a light client bridge, uh, natively verified, uh, etc. Uh, so router is a cross-chain messaging system, which which sort of uh, is its own protocol or blockchain sitting on top of Cosmos. So router uses the Tendermint consensus. And uh, router has its own set of validators that enforce security. Um, it uses the two by three plus one uh, security threshold security uh, that POS bridges uses. So we are a POS bridge uh, based messaging system. Right? Uh, the one thing that is uh, exciting about router is we are uh, because we've been building or working on router for uh, almost two years, more than two years. Now, right? So we've seen a bunch of iterations. Uh, we sort of internally foresaw the hacks that would happen uh pretty much all the hacks that would happen in fact 
we were able to go live, incentivize liquidity on the testnet, but then we realized there was something with available contracts, there's something with the way the keys were stored, etc. So the first version was actually a proof of authority bridge. There were four, four or five validators and a couple of validators run by us, right? Uh, which is what, uh, which is when we sort of went back to the drawing board and sort of uh, thought through how we could uh, come up with the framework that actually made sense uh, from a long-term perspective. And that's why the whole POS uh, Cosmos-based uh, router framework, router V2 framework came into place. And uh, in fact, the testnet is going live in a couple of weeks. And uh, one of the things, you know, there's a bunch of interesting things that is going on at the router. But uh, one really good thing that I like is uh, the fact that, you know, the uh, customizability, right? You know, a lot of bridges, a lot of frameworks assume that you know, uh, blockchain, the, the bridging needs that folks have are one size fits all. Right? And and uh, uh, with the router, you know, you you have, we have two different frameworks. One is, one is an omni-chain framework, and the other is a cross-top framework. And, and the omni-chain framework is interesting if you want to build middleware contracts, if you want to take advantage of the middleware functionality that router has, right? So let's say you want to sort of code in something that uh, takes advantage of statefulness across chains. Say, let's say you're in Polygon and you want to see that, okay, let's say if route token hits $100, send it to Ethereum. But if it stays at 50, send it to Phantom, right? So uh, the, currently the middleware can listen to and interact with multiple contracts and multiple chains. So literally giving you statefulness. And that's sort of super important. Uh, you know, you have use cases like uh, batch NFT minting, uh, cross-chain yield optimizers, you know, cross-chain limit orders. So many different, even from a limited DeFi scope that come up when you think of cross-chain atomicity, pseudo-atomicity, statefulness. Right? Uh, and then you have a separate set of use cases where you just want a cross-chain swap or you just want a cross-chain NFT uh, transfer. And those are, uh, for that, we have what is called the cross talk framework, right, which lets you sort of uh, just uh, send a, without interacting with that middleware component, just lets you send the tokens across from chain A to chain B. And, and if you're a developer, depending on what your needs are, you can uh, interact with either the omni-chain framework and build sort of your own contracts on top of the middleware and make it super powerful. Or you can just plug into the cross-talk framework and just take care of the basic out-of-the-box uh, functionality. And then you have the widgets where you can literally plug these into your apps and just forget about it. Uh, you have customizable security, right? So in, like right now, obviously you have US consensus, but what's also most inter more interesting is that you're sending it optimism and you want uh, if more than $50,000 are going to be sent, you want to put a condition that, you know, or maybe greater than 10K, I want to sort of have a ZK based module uh, that sort of uh, assign the level of security over on top of my POS. So you can do that. So there's modularity, customizability. Uh, and we have, from a developer perspective, you can develop using Rust or Solidity or Viper or whatever, right? So you can. Use the Cosmos world, the Ethereum world, Solana world, the whatever language you want to develop. So I think that's the other part of it. Right? So there's uh, highly customizable, highly modular, and, and and you know making sure that you know irrespective of what your development needs are, right? Uh, it's it's they are sort of taken care of. Got it. So um so so now like I mean since since you have your own um, yeah I mean when did the move happen by the the testnet is coming out you said on um, Cosmos soon right so um what what prompted like what are there like any specific reasons that prompted you guys to uh, go into the Cosmos world we see a lot of activity going there um it, it, was there like any pivotal moment you looked at like you know your competition and you thought there are certain things that are not being solved properly but you, you could by kind of moving to uh, uh cosmos was there like that kind of a moment or was it more like you know this just adds more utility to us and therefore let's go there so a couple of things right i mean uh, we'd always been building the evm world and, and, and you know uh, we're sort of intrigued by cosmos and the fact that you know uh, you had different blockchains, so the Cosmos was one, Polkadot was one, Algorand was one, um, all, all beautiful systems with their own strengths and uh, benefits, right? Uh, but Cosmos particularly appealed because it's just uh, super customizable. And I guess the most important reason was uh, uh, the guy who joined us, uh, he was actually a core team Polygon, Linkedish, the chief blockchain architect. Mm. Uh, known him from 2017-18. And then he spent a ton of time building Injectives Cosmos uh, chain. Right. And then uh, we ended chatting with him and we we're talking, brainstorming with him. And we said, do we want to build a EVM based UK thing like a lot of folks are doing, or do we want to sort of build a Cosmos thing? And 
the one thing that really appealed about Cosmos, in addition to its EC, you know, the customizability, how easily you could spin up your own chain, was you know, if you want to connect to non-EVM chains, uh, you will end up doing EVM chains anyway. But there are going to be non-EVM chains, and that's why, like, and you can see that Aptos and Sui and all those guys, right? Um, so, which is why you know the, the Cosmos thing seemed like a better fit if you want to sort of play in the non-EVM world as well. And then uh, the Cosmos, uh, the folks behind, you know, it, it seemed like a fairly supportive, more cogent ecosystem, right? With Ethereum, who do you speak to? There is no entity. It's completely pretty decent, right? With Cosmos, mm. at least you go, you can go to the Cosmos meetup, you can meet up Zaki, or, you know, Sunny, or, you know, some of these guys, and you just talk to them. Right? And I think that is part of the reason why a lot of folks are going into the Cosmos ecosystem. Got it's it. very Got interesting it. because everybody actually talks about how chaotic the the cosmos ecosystem is in in that it almost exists as silos within the same ecosystem that don't talk to each other but your experience right. has specifically been go to the founder of osmos as you can actually go and talk to zaki uh, and yeah. and then they would they would essentially help you out can you double click a little bit more about that because what you are what it sounds like you're saying is that the non-EVM side is pretty much unlocked if you build on Cosmos as opposed to uh, you're going to do the EVM thing anyway because that's where that's right. you know all the users that is but then if you want to truly capture the non-EVM side you you probably want to build on Cosmos that's a very interesting perspective uh, tell us a little right. bit about about that experience uh, after having made the choice how exactly do they help you on board how uh, and how easy is it to integrate within the community oh I mean trust me it's not Easy, easy. So what I you know, so maybe I should explain that. <clears throat> so in Ethereum, if you want to build something, right? I mean, it, it's a far wider ocean. I mean, there are key opinion leaders, there are key influencers, there are key folks. Like in, in Polygon, for instance, three years ago, when you want to build, you spoke to some deeper team, right? And, and, yeah. and, and the, so in Ethereum, who's that person? Like, you don't know. Typically, what happens is you know you jump or wormhole or somebody has their own effort, or and then you have Pantelat have their own effort and they find some smart guys somewhere in, in, in mostly in the valley or US or wherever, right? Um, so as, as a project out of, you know, coming out of India and Dubai, right? If you were to, go to talk to people, who do you speak to? And, and it seemed like, uh, and I had a, a couple of calls with Sunny and a couple of calls with Zaki and you know, some, of, some of our advices are connecting us and uh, facilitating those conversations. It seems like at least there are folks that you can talk to and, and it's still, it's very powerful, but it's still sort of grokable, sort of malleable, sort of manageable. Right? So that that that's that's what I was that's what I meant. In Ethereum mm -hmm. is just impossible to sort of uh, navigate, right? And also, you know, uh, the other point, right? You are going to be in EVM Ethereum anyway, right? But you, with Ethereum, you end up sort of over-indexing for the six or seven EVM chains, and that's about it. And you'll take a ton of time getting out to Solana or Cosmos or Polkadot. Whereas you start with Cosmos mm -hmm. first, you start with Ethereum, but then you also have one eye from the get go or other chase. And I think that, that that's a, that's a key advantage to building in Cosmos. That's awesome. Uh, love that perspective. I mean, anyway, back to Prashant yeah. on more on more router. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I mean, uh, two two things. Like when we look at any uh, sort of bridge uh, type of protocol, right? So uh, two things I want to double click on. One is security, and the other is liquidity, right? Um, and and when you when you speak about security now, of course, I mean I don't go into details of why some of these hacks happened. It could be a bit too technical. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, we saw what happened with Wormhole. We saw what happened with Ronin. Um, mm -hmm. How how do you guys think about security from like first principles, right? Because to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think people will mind if the bridging is slightly slower or slightly more expensive. Um, mm -hmm. If you can pro provide them the most secure type of a bridge, right? Is is mm -hmm. is is bridge is uh, full security? Is is that like uh, a utopian concept when it comes to bridges? And how do you think about uh, solving for security at router? No, absolutely. I think it's it's a it's a broad broad question, and then I'll sort of try and take bits and pieces. I don't even try to give a top-down structured answer. It's a there's an architectural issue, there is a practices issue, and the flavor. But I think a few things that we noticed is something that uh, alluded to earlier, right? When we first built, uh, when we launched V1 sometime in May 21, uh, I was like, you know, guys, let's do this. This thing is working, let's go main it. Let's incentivize like, uh, liquidity, let's tell people to put some liquidity pools here, give them rewards, ask them to bridge. But the team was like, there's nobody where you can do that. Right? Let's get audits, let's get 
the full process architecture review, even formal modeling. Right? And then thankfully, I sort of, they forced me to do that, right? Because uh, it, it was very raw. In fact, a lot of the bridges is rushed in and then sort of incentivized liquidity, et cetera, got cleaned out, right? I mean, some of them got acquired by Boomhole, another one got acquired by, yeah, well, Boomhole is, I think, saving, <laughs> was saving a bunch of uh, bridges, you know, after their Terra fortunes, I guess. Uh, but um, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, from internally, we, we have very, very focused audits, right? We've probably spent uh, 20 to, sorry, almost a million and a half in audits. And, and uh, uh, Halbon, Hack, Certic, Oak, uh, Zelic, uh, Immunify. Uh, I'll tell you the maximum bang for the buck is always the Immunify audits because it's open source and there is a, a bounty. And, 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 and the smartest programmers are always not the hire for rent contract programmers that audit firms typically have. Uh, and, and during the bull market, it's the worst thing, right? I mean, you have the IT companies in the bull market, they have a ton of projects. Right. And in fact, Halbon actually dropped us, right? They just got too busy, they got a big contract. Sorry, I'm just blunt, man. I'm just stating facts as it is. So something is happening as well. I mean, don't uh, change. Ram, never change. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, they, they had a contract with us and they got picked up by a large blockchain and they basically said, you know, if, sorry, guys, you're too busy. If it really, you're not important enough for us to come in. <laughs> so, I mean, so obviously now if they want to come back, what's the sorry, not happening. So, uh, so, so the thing with the modern those, and, and I can understand why it's important. I mean, I'm sure I'm not saying I would not have done that. You got to be in their position to understand what they're going through. But basically, uh, you know, the, the audit model is kind of fundamentally broken in many ways. So you have uh, these firms that are highly incentivized to reel in revenue, and they give you, you know, like a tail of the charges between forty to eighty thousand dollars per developer week. Right? So the incentivization is not result based, but efforts based. And the audit business is a cardinal flaw, right? I mean, you want incentivations of security, right? or, or you want some sort of, uh, uh, you know, even in the uh, service provider model, you have incentivizations, uptime, et cetera, right? You want to hit five lines of service or you have penalties, et cetera, right? Like slashing happens in proof of state. So slowly, I think the audit model will go there. You have initial efforts like Sherlock, et cetera, right? Um, but nevertheless, coming back to uh, uh, Immunify has been a great experience. And, and so we sort of did those audits. We found a ton of issues. Uh, we sort of went back and fixed. And at, at that point, we figured that, you know, this whole proof of authority bridge framework that we, was run, we were running was not truly decentralized. Right? So that's why we went back and sort of created this whole blockchain, POS blockchain on Cosmos. So uh, network security is super important. Uh, the other part sort of related is also the liquidity aspect, right? The liquidity. It, it, it's a most people don't realize that you know for 99.5 percent of bridging needs you don't need more than two to three million of liquidity right it, it, it's such a false you know bsd metric right big swing big metric <laughs> it just doesn't make sense why do you want to like if you want to sort of measure the throughput of brooklyn bridge or or martha Halley bridge right closer to home would you measure it by the number of the cars going or trucks going up and down, or would you measure it by the number of trucks clocked up on each side? Right? I mean, it's it just blows my mind. And and you know, 99.5% of transactions don't need more than one two million volume. It's only those large institutional transfers that need you know 50 60 million volume. And and nevertheless, we've gotten into this paradigm where all these bridges, you know, the first thing we talk to a project, they ask us how much TVL do we have. Uh, and we try to tell them, listen, we have half a million in TVL, we've been close to a billion in transactions. And they're like, first they don't believe us, then we show them the records and we show them the transactions and, and, and they say, you know, that, that something must be off, right? There's nothing off, and that's all you need. You just need clever rebalancing and you know, you just need. So I think that's that's a big thing. When you have a focus on TVL on bridges, right? That's a big honeypot, right? And that is going to attract the best hackers from out there to come and attack you, right? Uh, so it, it, it's a big, big uh, issue, right? So. From a security perspective, uh, I think I really like what uh, Hyperlane is doing. Right? It's one of the competitors, but you don't have a focus on liquidity. But everybody else, like Layer Zero has Stargate, Axelaris, Satellite, right? and there's a huge focus on liquidity. Right? And, and yep. okay, so to a, for a lot of applications, liquidity is important. But I think for a, a lot of existing use cases, the basic message passing functionality, you don't need a ton of liquidity. And there's a dirty secret nobody talks about in bridge. 
And uh, do, do you think that's because um, TVL is seen as like, you know, the be all end all of uh, anything in DeFi and bridging and it's kind of become, people don't question it too deeply in terms of the efficiency of the TVL as opposed to the TVL itself. <clears throat> Exactly, you nailed it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I mean, TVL has become a sort of vanity metric, uh, and and you know, uh, it, it's an easy metric, right? It's a lazy narrative. So, so, so how oh, you're a bridge, you are, you have, you know, how much you have five hundred million lot rate, but what's the efficiency yeah. of the transactions on the bridge? Right? Yeah, correct. And also, it, it exposes you to like, uh, uh, you know, hack vectors as well. I mean, of course, why would anyone go for one to two million here if they could go up to five hundred million there, right? Uh, um, and and that's fair. And 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 how how many? Uh, you said ninety nine point five percent of the times this is enough, right? Now as we are here and like say um, entire crypto grows ten x. Do you expect this ninety nine the the, the ninety nine point five number to be the same or it reduces but not much only till ninety nine and therefore what you guys provide in terms of efficiency should still be sufficient. Like I'm just trying to I get a sense for like the edge case, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, so two two parts to it. I mean, I'm not saying liquidity is fundamentally bad. I'd love to have liquidity, right? But I just uh, think that the way that liquidity needs to be incentivized with tokens, that, that that's again that same DeFi 1.0 game that you know you just have some farm and you know so so you, so you need it's, it needs to be thoughtful liquidity, it needs to be protocol control liquidity that that is sort of owned by the protocol and at risk by the protocol. Right? Uh, <clears throat> to your question, though, I think you know the bulk of the volume. The, the 1920 rule, right? Maybe the 99.5 becomes 96, 95, right? But it's not going to fundamentally change, right? I think the, the, yeah. you're worried about the individual transaction size. And there's going to be, right now, for, for instance, it's like 2,000 transactions of 1,000 to 1,500 dollars each. That will become maybe 20,000. And the one or two million transactions, they'll go from maybe 100 to maybe 150, right? So mm. there's not mm. a 10 exchange in those. So I think, uh, yeah. and a lot of those, you know, I think there's going to be new models emerging. I mean, you have, uh, uh, you know, RFQ-based models that what is stopping, one of the things you're working on is, you know, is Alpha Leak. Uh, your market maker, you span two chains, and right? I go tell the market maker, here's a million dollars in Ethereum. Quote me uh, for the same on Polygon. Right? I mean, that's a question RFQ model. I mean, it's a simple thing, and, and, and a lot of market makers have sort of figured out how to do that, especially for the large table coins, et cetera, with deep liquidity. Right? So I think there's a lot of ways yeah. to sort of solve the large ticket problem. It all sounds like what you're advocating for for most use cases and bridges is a minimum value lock as opposed to a total value lock. Like what do you need to yes. make sure that this happens as opposed to, hey, here is a bucket load of cash sitting on my throat. It, it really does nothing beyond the fact, beyond signaling, uh, which actually makes you yeah. think about, you know, why, why you probably want to want to signal that it apart from maybe speculative value of people you know wanting to buy the token of public market because there is a yeah, large yeah. tvl lock I, uh, from what you're saying i'm i'm big, i'm yeah. trying to think that there it really serves no other purpose when it comes to tvl on bridges yeah no so so there is there is you know 100 percent right i mean it, it's it could be dif difficult to change people's mind shifts right i mean they want if you want a hammer, you want a hammer. You want a bridge with the largest TV, you want a TVL. How do you solve for that? I mean, you're, I mean, everybody wants to be Man City, man. They want to buy a pep, they want to buy <laughs> You know, like, I mean, if there's a game for eight of empires that you should play, right? I mean, there's always invariably this one, okay, pardon my French, but yeah, one bugger who would sort of put some cheat code and bring in a car or something and blow up everybody, right? And then medieval armies are fighting with each other. So there's always one guy in the room and you, know, uh, you get the large funds into the room and they'll try to spin uh, in an angle. In fact, no, no so sorry, coming back to uh, the, the earlier point. So there are cases where liquidity is required, right? But, and, but I think uh, those are still maybe less than three to four percent of use cases. And going forward, there might be use cases that get built that sort of take care of cross-chain uh, capabilities. For instance, imagine uh, truly cross-chain defined, right, or a Uniswap or a cross-chain index. And, and in that case, for instance, you really want liquidity on multiple chains, right? Or let's say you want uh, uh, cross-chain uh, yield aggregator, right? But even in that scenario, I don't foresee, and, and even in that transaction volume, uh, I don't think you need a ton of, liquidity locked on the bridges themselves right so a lot of that is also to do with the architecture how siloed you are you know how the messaging system is from the fund system etc right so um, 
but it's an easy narrative it's an easy peg for people to make investment decisions right? and i think that's it's, it's a headline metric right? and mm -hmm. um, um how do you uh, i mean does does having low tbr in any shape or form impact the spreads that you provide on these uh, you know um, cross chain swaps or is this still like fairly competitive not at all i think uh, a lot of our uh, uh, optimization efforts are around the gas cost optimizing the contracts right for instance uh, uh, right now, the 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 bridging space has become like the airline space, right? With that I mean, I mean we're like the guys building airlines, and then there's a couple of guys who build aggregators in Expedias and uh, make my trips, and and they are capturing a lot of the value. It's a, it's a low capital, high margin model. Right? It's and I think currently that's the. I'm not saying it's always going to be the case because the aggregators, you know, there's going to be ten other aggregators, and there's always going to be a challenge uh, for them to sustain. Uh, and, and and the Web3 crowd is notoriously frequent. They go to a price comparison, they go with the lowest cost every single time. Right. So yeah. a lot of our uh, challenges around how to minimize the uh, speed, minimize the cost and the speed, and and maximize the safety. Right. And uh, so to that extent, uh, you know, again, 99.5% of leads get topped out between one to 1.5 million liquidity. It's not a constraint after that. Uh, the constraint right. here is how how we can optimize the code without compromising security. Yeah, I mean, in a way, by solving for cap, uh, capital efficiency, you're also, you know, solving in a way for security as well, right? Because now yes, you don't yes, attract yes, as yes. many hackers. Um, now, given yes. that this that's a neat way of solving this, right? Now, how do you uh, how do how do you look at the future for uh, router and define, uh, especially in terms of um, competing with, you know, some of these uh, players out there like your wormhole, layer zero, Axela, yeah. as you mentioned. Um, who yeah. have both big backers and also have like big capital pools, right? Now we don't need them, but then they probably can use that to kind of generate more visibility, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so how do you guys think about like competing with this in the long term? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, uh, we are very much in the early days of the bridging space, right? I mean, if you look at every, if you go back, just the coin market cap from 2016-14, come by the 2017, come by the 2020, right? I mean, you'll have Bitcoin and Ethereum. The other eight are in a constant state of flux. By 2017, Torchin was maybe 600 or 700, right? Right now, the router is 500, 600. So, so the, the, the thing is, you've got to understand it's a long-term game. Things change overnight. You know, last year's Twitter heroes and uh, messiahs are right now behind jail or uh, incognito or whatever, right? I mean, uh, Twitter, sorry, so crypto is a great leveler, humbler. Teaches you humility, just heads down, work. It's, it's the most honest business to be in, if you ask me. Right? You can't fool people for the long term. Yeah. So, uh, so, 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 no, having said that, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the infrastructure stays super exciting. Early days, um, uh, we are in the process of raising capital. We're figuring out uh, how to sort of solve for some of the core liquidity we need, right? In the sense that even if it's not 500 billion, the four, five million that I mentioned. So we start thinking of solving for that. Um, we have so and so with the testnet, we'll be announcing a bunch of different initiatives. This could be an offered ecosystem fund that is going to see participation from all the other all the investors that are on the capital plus a new few name, new names plus partner projects. Uh, there's also going to be a fundraise that will be announced sometime in June or July uh, to align with the mainnet. So uh, yes, capital is the lifeblood of any endeavor. So we will. Uh, raise more capital in the process of raising more capital. Uh, but having said that, we don't really, uh, one of the advantages we have is that, you know, we are uh, fundamentally uh, an Indian Asian company, right? So uh, a 5 million in the bank is like uh, 50 million for a company in San Francisco. Uh, and you know, we're not, uh, we're not completely focused on the eco chamber of the US market, right? I mean, there are, there are great businesses that you can build without completely focusing on the US market. So one of the things I noticed was when you go to the US, there are only two names that SNLB is registered. Obviously the two names that you mentioned. But uh, if you go to the ground in India, right? I mean, we have a big network. We are in every single college out there, Pitch uh, Talani, all the big names out there. And, and I think that's going to be a strategy. Focus on core strengths and sort of what Polygon did, right? I mean, Polygon was heavily out uh, funded. It's sort of, uh, you know, uh, in India, uh, and then, so, so they, they converted the weakness to the strength, went after the Indian market, and then the greater Indian market, I mean, Dubai, Singapore, Southeast Asia, et cetera, that, you know, it's maybe uh, easy to access uh, either because of visa issues or flight distance issues or whatever, right? I think uh, that's going to be a strategy, man. the scrappy Asian startup, web startup, that's what we tell us.
will it still work in this uh, uh, given that the polygon playbook has essentially played out uh, and even polygon for that matter is now looking at a more spread out view of uh, you know capturing mind share in other parts of the world uh, is india from a developer st developer standpoint and a market share standpoint still relevant uh, in oh, today's day absolutely yeah no, i think so right i think so because you know uh, the reality is right i mean you need to the founders need to understand india i mean whether it's avalanche or this actors or whatever the most what they'll do is they'll find a guy who's built another pd play for them in another project and get him pay him a million dollars put him in bangalore or dubai and ask him to build india that's very different from the founder and the team and the devil uh, full crew completely focused on you know uh, exploring reaching out to colleges talking the slang and so so that that's a foundation because uh, you know for for somebody that is not core to india india is a side business for us india is the main business the world is a side business right so mm. i think that 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 focus is very different and then in fact our developers like we have i would say we have 40 of the sharpest developers right with 30 35 sharpest developers uh, in the blockchain space and, and these guys go to their colleges they talk to their juniors and you know so, so, so that that is a very very important thing and then i i guess that's the same advantage that uh, a web3 project out of mit or stanford has with respect to continuously having a pipeline of talent from those universities right our advantage is the pipeline of talent we have from the schools that we have employees in industry got it got it and i guess it's um, sort of similar to sorry uh, I'm, I'm sure Robert, you probably have a perspective on this right build this right what are you seeing from india developer activity i mean it's getting competitive but what's, what's your take uh, we have volumes, uh, but okay. accounting for signal to noise ratio kind of works out to be the same at any part of the world. Uh, and uh, given that builders type is more of a startup facing activity, you are looking for uh, the outperformers in the lot. And that is a small number, no matter where you are. Uh, if usually Western ecosystems, what I've seen is that the volume is lower, quality is higher. Here, uh, volume is higher, quality is uh, I mean, when I say quality is lower, I mean that the number of people building really thoughtful, original, ground-up, innovative things is, uh, you know, uh, is fewer. Uh, yeah. With, uh, with finding, so it's uh, it's the same. It's uh, what what I start to realize is that if you look for quality, it is pretty much the same number all around the world. True. 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 Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, but again, then you go back to the whole spectrum of do you want to be a Terra type play with three or four core apps all built by the founder and his friends, or do you want to be a Polygon where you are uh, Sandeep, which is a force, who's a force of nature, just reeling in projects every day, and then some of them bubble up and become champions, yeah. right? So, yeah. I think both yeah, I, both um, methods work, I guess. Yeah, both both work, but I think the. Um, better de-risking method is probably the first one right because if you can bootstrap your network internally and then yeah. open it up you know uh, you are more in control of that right mm -hmm. um, because um, sandeep like you said is a force of nature and those don't come across uh, that 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 option. Yes. Um, yes. We, are yes. Just, yes. we are still looking <laughs> no, no one to be found <laughs> uh, and, and that's it. I mean, I mean, having said that, like you said at the beginning as well, right? They had like some sort of an integration with Pixwap as well, so they did kind of like you know uh, help them as well. And I think that is that is that is important. Um, like like from your perspective, right? Um, are you looking like is there is there's no business development concentrated more on like you know developers and startups? Guys, come build your apps on now this new uh, router chain because you know now you get access to you know liquidity and data messaging across all of these chains in one place. Yeah, or you know you're like okay let them do that and my bd is more towards the users to kind of uh tell them what router is all about mm -hmm. no no i think it's uh, the first one i mean yeah. developers are the core core audience right they ultimately we're a platform b2b play and and, and our, our pitch is actually just to be clear and we're not we're not saying we're better than any chain we're basically saying come let us help you take advantage of you know the the trilemma problem let's solve the trilemma problem that right? you can Get the scalability of Solana, the decentralization of Ethereum, the richness of Polygon, right? So yeah, you can do that using router chain. And so that's since you're complementary to every chain, right? And and, and typically, uh, it's a self-selection thing. Unless you have a clear cross-chain need, they don't need something like router chain. Right? I mean, there are apps that just need one chain. They build 
that's perfectly fine, right? I mean, we're not going to replace the L1 blockchains, um, and we cannot do right uh, at this the current day. Uh, but I think uh, what we are is connecting middleware that sort of uh, makes the overall uh, user experience and the developer experience seamless, right? And this is actually something yeah. I love talking about. In Web2, for instance, 20 years ago, when somebody sent you a, a, a file uh, and you had a MacBook or and somebody sent you from a Palm Pilot, I don't know what that was, right? It was all messed up and, and you couldn't open it, right? And, and uh, as a developer, you had to separately build, design, develop and deploy for the Windows operating system, the Microsoft, uh, sorry, the Mac OS, and this enterprise Sun Solaris, and then you had multiple Linux flavors. And then two things happened, right? Uh, AWS came in, and Google, uh, the uh, Docs came in, and then both are cloud services. What they ended up doing was uh, seem, made the user experience seamless. You had a Google mm -hmm. Doc, a Google Doc was a Google Doc, irrespective of what platform you're on. And as a developer, you just solve for developing and deploying their AWS Docker. But you don't need to worry about whether back in the Solaris or whatnot. The same way, right now, the blockchain space is completely fragmented. Right? You have Solana, Polygon, all these guys just pulling folks in and just saying, you know, trying to sort of six, uh, sort of stick them in for the TVL that that metric, right? Uh, but every, and, and as, as a user as well, you sort of limited. You know, sort of, you go to BSC for some region farming. You go to Polygon or something else. You have your own uh, things that you do, right? So. Why should that happen, right? I mean, uh, you should have seamless developer experience. You should have seamless user experience. And that's why bridging is important. Right? That's why, you know, you'll see account abstraction is super exciting, cross-chain super exciting, and how they all come together and sort of uh, abstract of the complexity. So ultimately, you know, uh, the other analogy I, I sort of really like using is, you know, uh, if you want to book a ticket from, uh, let's say, Bangalore to Dubai, uh, what you would do is go to make my trip. Uh, since uh, we're in India, uh, you would sort of see, you know, I want to go from Bangalore to Dubai, I want to fly, this is the time, there's a seat. And then uh, on the back end, it's going to whatever Guardian, Sentinel, whatever ticketing systems, airline systems, just solving for gate fees, solving for interchange fee over whatever airport, you know, Dubai, DXB, Gate 3, whatever fees is there. And it just gives you the final price, right? Whereas in Web2 <laughs> right now, you want to go, you're literally solving for every single, okay. Okay, let me solve for Dubai fee, right? And we solve for Bangalore gate fee. Okay, while I'm flying, you get a message. If you want to speed up your transaction, it won't go through your fly back. So it's, it's a complete mindfuck of the situation, right? And then I think that's where cross-chain and account abstraction come to come to beautifully, right? You have a lot yeah. of folks uh, that don't want this. And that's and I think that is critical for cross-chain and account abstraction, are in my opinion, in addition to UI, better UI. It's critical for the next uh, the 90 percent 95% actually come into it. There's a cost for sovereignty, and that cost is UX. Yeah, super good, man. I think we're also like um, towards the end of this, right? Um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of already thinking of like multiple tangents in my brain, but I think I'll kind of like um, control myself here. Uh, so I think it, I think it, it's kind of pretty um, clear. Um, I mean, you you also have like an angle now, like so it's like. A lot of modularity uh, of, uh, based optionality are providing for developers. Then you have your uh, messaging protocol with like an efficient liquidity uh, attached to it, which kind of answers for security itself. Um, yeah, yeah and, and, and you know, so you are bringing in more utility for. Uh, will this have like you mentioned about a token, right? So will this will this chain have its own token, or will you be like using um, a router uh, router's token within it? In the same, it's the same router token. It, it will move to Cosmos. That's about it. Same router token. Okay. There might be minor tweaks in the there will be minor tweaks in the in the bucketing to take care of the validation, uh, etc. But nothing, nothing right. fundamentally. Yeah. And and um, have you identified like you, you also need to bootstrap your new validator set now, right? Now that it's gonna yes, 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 yes. That must be a pain in its own yes. uh, <laughs> sense as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it, yeah, it's 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 a it's a new new uh, yeah, it's a new learning. Uh, it's a lot of lot of work, and it's a fascinating business called validator business, right? It's uh, uh you know, there's a no, it's it's a, a bunch um, of yeah, 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 um, shooting for something yeah. a lot lot bigger than you know. Uh, what what it was a year ago in terms of how I can uh, visualize this yes. entire thing now. Um, okay, okay, yes. so that's super interesting yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, one one final thing yeah. since you touched about India and we have like uh, this this um, 
you know feature where we want to kind of also focus on india a bit right um you have been yeah. in this space from 2014 15 right much earlier than me definitely um like is yeah. there is there like any uh, you know um are there any likes and dislikes you have about like say founders from india right and that you want them to kind of uh work upon in terms of the grand scheme of things when web3 is concerned Raghu, maybe that was your question. I just told that. <laughs> no, yeah, I want to listen. Look, right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think it likes and dislikes. You know, I just said this. It's just say, see me. I've been a grey hair to sort of at least begin to comprehend that you can't generalize any. You know, we're all a complex uh, at this point. Where you are at this point is a complete mix of. what you've been through in life and you know, what you've seen and all that right? so, so but i think uh, you know uh, especially the current generation you know you, you sort of you haven't seen the scarcity that maybe even our generation saw and the previous generation saw right so i think we are slowly moving from the scarcity to the abundance mindset right and, and that's a very important thing that right? i mean uh, if you have an abundance mindset you take things in a more layered fashion you don't chase every single opportunity um it can be as small as you know trying to maximize a conference they're getting 100 business cards and not following up that is a scarcity mindset you go for moving in right I mean, you won't have one or two meaningful conversations you don't want 50 random conversations right? or it could be right doing 10 different things at the same time so and a lot of these things i keep telling myself as well that you know, i sort of catch myself sort of veering towards that right? and i think uh, generic is probably applicable to all entrepreneurs everywhere but the mistakes that i've made right all of us make as we go through the journey right i think uh, uh, have an abundance mindset not have the scarcity mindset right? i think uh, a lot of the indian entrepreneurs this is very good at hustling uh, and, and and you know so sometimes you sort of tend to take that too much and i think that's again you see that in this part of the world right uh, you know you, it comes from you know, a couple of centuries of uh, relative uh, economic disempowerment we put it that that's insane that you say that because i think uh, ganesh from covalent who is also somebody that we should be bringing on this call has the exact right. grievance about about indian founders no that we operate from a place right. of scarcity and not right, from right, a place right. of abundance i mean right. I, i have sympathy for that mindset you know like that i feel you you our upbringing is such that uh, you you know it's hard to break out of that mold but uh, yeah. also tending too much towards abundance also is a problem i feel like finding a balance yeah. between the two is no i i and i think your hustle is always good i mean yeah. in your 20s you should be hustling i mean don't don't be embarrassed just go talk to people just get stuff done but i guess once you sort of found the broad sweet spot right spend more time on building i mean i think jd had a very nice speed of a couple of weeks at jd at polygon right indian founders or founders everywhere mm-hmm. spend more time if you have raised capital spend more time building and net time less time chasing conferences and events after parties to attend yeah. to right? I mean, yeah. yeah but yeah, try try con- yeah but try convincing a single 24 25 something <laughs> which, which that's a whole lot of <laughs> I, I keep telling a lot of these young founders. Uh, no, look, I mean, I completely agree with what you are saying, and also I feel you know there is a lot of breadth, but depth is uh, not something that is uh, chased enough, right? Um, and um, I keep telling a lot of folks in Web three, especially that um, they will all have like a midlife crisis a lot sooner than any of us. On <laughs> right now, <laughs> I don't think Prashas had his midlife crisis yet. He's uh, way he's more happy than what he's authorized to be. You know, like I've never met a happier. <laughs> but he, he came from he came from innocent banking, so he he's having a bit like opposite of crisis, but he's enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been I've been through my crisis, through my uh, phases. I would say, you know, uh, I'm definitely wiser. <laughs> <laughs> Another that's proxy for old, I guess. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Ram, it it was an absolute pleasure having you here. I feel like we learned a lot about bridging, and especially. Yep. something that really stood out to me was uh, you know a your founder mindset also focus on vanity metrics and bridges i felt like that i a lot of listeners will take that away from here and again mindset of abundance versus mindset of scarcity uh, it 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 makes a return visit to our conversations pertaining to india so 
This was awesome, Ram. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will catch you all on the next episode with the three normies. Wait, uh, before, before, before we just uh, sound out, I should probably have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, so Woodstock is an investor in a router for uh, okay. full disclosure, just so you know, everyone's aware. Yeah. <laughs> now we are done. Yeah. Now we are done. Way, way, way to bring <laughs> up our disclaimer, man. <laughs> uh, I've not been. I've, I've only been doing podcasts like very recently, right? So it doesn't come very naturally. Uh, so uh, this plugs for me. So I'll get better at it. Dude, is, but is this a thing that you have to do disclaimers in podcasts? I, I think I should. I don't want to like have a discussion with Rajesh around this, but I'm very sure. <laughs> okay. Hmm. No, it's the right thing to do, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third made a lot. Anyways, yeah. see you all, guys. Bye.